Hello, everybody, and welcome once again as we continue on in the study we're doing in the New Testament. Right now we're in the book of Luke. We'll be at chapter 10. We're going through it a chapter at a time, and so uh, we'll read the verse, uh, we'll read the chapter together, and obviously I can't at a week in, in 30 minutes go through the, the, everything that's in there, but we'll hit the highlights along the way, okay? And uh, hopefully you'll, you'll go away knowing a little more or hearing a little more than you had in the past about what's happening uh, throughout the book. We've actually already gone through the book of Matthew and the book of Mark and the book of John. Um, we skipped over Luke in our initial study so we can come back to it and then we can do Luke and Acts together because it all sort of flows very nicely written by... Uh, who can tell me who wrote the book of Luke? Anyone? Luke, very good, thank you. Excellent, excellent. See, I'm, it's a test. Who, who remembers who it was written to? Theophilus, very good, which means lover of God. Most people think it was an actual person named Theophilus, but others have conjectured that it was written to all the lovers of God, and in a way it was because it was written for all of us. We've had it over time. All right, very good. Um, the, uh, the book of Luke has been um, uh, laying out different uh, things along the way in the uh, ministry of Jesus, and in particular in chapters 7, 8, and 9, um, we've been looking at how people uh, needed to come to a decision and that um, Jesus was, was urging them to choose um, what they were going to do. And that ultimately the big question, and, and Luke sort of runs this theme throughout Luke and Acts, um, the question is, you know, who is Jesus? And the, the other big question that Luke raises a lot is, how do I get saved? And, uh, um, and so Jesus is... Has been teaching and um, doing his ministry in front of everyone, and they've all seen it, they've listened to it, and now they need to choose whether or not they're going to follow Jesus or not. And um, we've looked at the disciples and how um, Jesus came to them and said, "Well, who do the crowds say I am?" And and they said, "Well, some think you're John the Baptist, come back, or a great prophet, come to life, or whatever." And Jesus looks at them, "But how about you? What, who do you say that I am?" And Peter speaks for all of them and says, "Well, you're the Christ." You're the Christ of God. They get it. And, and that means they're choosing to follow him. And, and at Luke 9, then, we saw a shift, basically, uh, in the middle there, where Jesus will now less be teaching to the crowds, and he'll be more focused on teaching his disciples. Because they, they're already sort of making their choices. And um, it's the choice that ultimately all of us have to make. And uh, it's a great question. Who is Jesus? You can, that one question can tell you where people are coming from. That's all you get. You could go all over the place. Who's Jesus? And if the answer isn't, well, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's, he's the Lord. He's our Savior. If that's not the answer, they haven't, they haven't got there yet to where they need to be. Anything else means they're, they're coming up and they're missing a little bit. He was a good guy. He was a great teacher. He was a great philosopher. True, but not fully true. More than that. So... Um, Luke brings us uh, to this point in the ministry of Jesus. And now um, we're going to pick up the action here uh, after the the shift has happened in Luke 10. And we're going to see in Luke 9, he sent out the 12. Now he sends out the 72 or the 70, depending on your translation. All right. So he sends out a bunch of folks and uh, uh, off they go uh, to do some ministry. We're going to look at that. And then Luke 10 also has two very well-known stories in it that a lot of people know. One of them is the Good Samaritan, 
Most people have heard that. Uh, if you've been around the church at all, you've heard the story. If you grew up in church, you heard it a lot. And uh, there's some great stories. One of the Sunday school teachers was teaching about the Good Samaritan. And, and you know, in the Good Samaritan, we'll look at it. The, this person gets beaten and bloodied, and he's left by the side of the road. And, and the teacher asked the students, well, what do you think you would do if, if you came across somebody who'd been beaten and left bloody there on the side of the road? And one little girl said, I think I'd puke. Um, I hadn't planned on telling that. This came out of nowhere. <laughs> um, and then the other really well-known story in Luke 10 is the conflict between Mary and Martha. And, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about both of those today. So, now that we have preambled a little bit, let's read the verses together. Shorter chapter this week, only 42 verses. And so the font is bigger in your notes. You can probably see it there. But if not, yeah, there's, if you brought your own Bible, turn to Luke 10. Or there's Bibles in all the rows. You can turn to one of those as well. All right? Well, let's read Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1 and going on from there. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. Stop it. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and not welcome, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For the, if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sodom, in Sidon, pardon me, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him sent me the 72 returned with joy and said lord even the demons submit to us in your name and he replied i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven i have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy nothing will harm you however do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. 
and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So there's... There's a lot of stuff that goes on in those verses. And like I said, I, there's no way to recount them all. But there's some things that I do want to talk about today. And in, as I said, in Luke chapter 9, there's, a, there's this definite shift in the way that Jesus uh, is now uh, talking. And he's primarily focusing on the disciples. And he begins to talk about what the life of a disciple looks like what life in the kingdom of God looks like, how it will be uh, walked out by the people who choose to follow Jesus. And remember, we've already seen and, and we'll continue to see that oftentimes our natural reactions aren't right and that the kingdom of God is different than what we expect. And it, it will get played out among the disciples as they try and figure this out and as Jesus teaches them. But he's... Been, begun to tell them that, that there would be certain um, characteristics or marks of a disciple. And in Luke 9, we, we already saw that, that a disciple would have to trust God. That would be one of the things a disciple would have to do. Uh, a disciple would have to walk in humility, that this would be a, the mark of a, of a true disciple. Um, they would have to know that there would be times when life would be difficult because it's a fallen world, a broken planet, and Jesus would suffer and he, he said, you, you're all going to get some of it in life. Um, they would also need to know that their lives had purpose. All of this was from Luke chapter 9. And that, that they would need to be committed to Christ above all else. That that would be something that a disciple would be. That, that they couldn't be a sometime disciple or a weekend disciple or whenever it felt like a disciple. That you would have to commit and, and this would be your life. Um, this would be how you would follow Jesus. Well, in, in the f- first big chunk of Luke chapter 10, 
he introduces another one of these major important um, characteristics that would be the mark of a disciple, and that's involvement. And uh, it's demonstrated as he sends out the 72 or the 70. He sends out the 12 and, and a whole bunch more. And, and he basically commissions them to go and do all the things that he's been doing. And that has never stopped. Um, because the Great Commission was that, that all of us would then go and do the exact same things. We'd do the very same things. We'd go and do the ministry of the kingdom of God. We'd go and tell people the good news. We'd pray for them. We would, we would see God move into their lives. And, and that we would be able to share uh, with them this amazing promise we have and this amazing life that we have in God, because of all that Jesus has done. This was um, the, the calling on the disciples then, and it's the calling on us now. And that, that we're intended to be involved. That, that um, this thing, whatever you want to call it, Christianity or however you want to call being a follower of Jesus, is, is all about involvement. It's, there's, there's no sitting back and just checking it out. That's not how it works. We're, we're, we're to get involved. And, and it was demonstrated uh, for us in a, in a huge way by God himself, who, when you think about involvement, think about how involved he got. Coming to us, uh, born uh, a virgin in a very humble way, living his life among us, God, fully God, fully man, living a perfect, sinless life, um, uh, sharing the good news, uh, doing the ministry he was called to, and then willingly going to the cross and giving his life for ours. It's, it's as involved as you can get. That's the involvement of God in our lives. And as his followers, we're to be involved. We're, we're, to, we're to take it on. We're to, we're to look at those things that, that are the marks of a disciple, and that's supposed to be what happens in our lives, that we are the people who trust God, um, that we realize that, that sometimes we're going to go through some difficulties, and yet we need to trust God, that, that we're not to get um, prideful and arrogant, but we're to walk in humility, considering others better than ourselves, that, that we have a purpose for life and that that purpose is borne out in the will of God as we get committed to do what he's called us to do and as we realize we have to be involved. And then we get involved and we do what we can. Now, ministry takes on all, all sorts of looks. Some, some of you have all your hands full at the house and that's fine, just as long as you're doing it for the Lord. Some of you have more opportunities and you can go and do some other stuff. Then good, you should do that. Some of you have even bigger callings on your lives to go to other places and to reach out to people there. Good, go and do that. But, but it's important that you understand you have purpose, that you ask God for his will in your life, and that you begin to do it to the best of your ability, that you get involved, that we just don't ever sit back and think it'll just come to us at some point, or that we know Jesus is coming back, so we're just going to sit back and hang on. It's not what this is intended to be. Never was. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's an adventure. It's involvement. It's going out and doing. And, and ultimately, you know, sometimes I think we, we miss it. That's, that's the fun stuff. You know, we get, I think, if you've been coming here on the weekends, you know I, I've been talking about our need to be encouraged because we've gotten very fearful. And I think sometimes that, that fearfulness, unfortunately, has driven us to adopt an attitude that just wants to really get low-key and like not get seen, get under the radar, and just weather everything out until Jesus comes back. But that's not where life is. Life is out there in, in whatever he's got going on. That's always where you're going to find him, is, is figuring it out and moving out into the process. And so 
uh, in those first 20 verses, that's what he does. He sends the people out. I love the pattern of Jesus, too, because he's taught these people, um, and they've, they've seen it, and then he says, now you go and do it, and then they come back, and they come back with their stories, and Jesus will tweak whatever needs to be tweaked, and he sends them out all over again. Good, now go. And they get it right sometimes, and sometimes they don't get it right. Sound familiar? You know why? Because you can't do it without Jesus. You know what happens when you go out and have successful ministry sometimes? You forget you need Jesus. And he's so faithful, you know what will happen the next time? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. And you go, well, I did the exact same thing I did the last time. And you, no, not really. This time you didn't pray. This time you didn't count on me. You just figured you had it done. You could go and do it. And he's faithful to leave it flat. So you get it. Oops. Well, what was wrong? I wasn't there. You didn't ask. You didn't look. You just kind of got out on your own. You, th- this is how we get this. And so this is the process. And what we have to learn, and, and what's in those verses as he sends them out, is that we need to care about what Jesus cares about. That's a, that's a huge deal. Um, we're to go and do the things he was doing. And, and we're, we're not only to share in his sufferings when people reject it, but we can rejoice in the joy when people receive the ministry of the Lord. And it really is a joyful thing. Um, it's, it's, so you get to experience it all. You get the whole range of it. And, and that's one of the privileges of being his kids. But the, the, the cost of uh, discipleship is all those things we've been talking about. It's a trusting and a, and a, a laying down of our own stuff and picking up his and, and realizing that things won't always go the way we want them to and, and, and working on um, being you know, humble and, and uh, always looking for him and getting committed and getting involved in the ministry that he's called us to. And so, you know, that's, that's how this begins to work and, and what's supposed to happen. And so that's all part of those first. And so, you know, your ministry, get this, is, is for, for most of us primarily out the doors. We do some stuff in here, and that's cool, but that's one another stuff. We're doing that to help one another, and that's good stuff. Primarily is when you go, you're the church. We assemble because we need to get together and we need the strength that we can get and we need to be encouraged and we need all those things to happen. That's why we get together. That's, and and that, the commitment to that comes out of understanding our need to be involved and what it takes to be a disciple. And then, see, at that point, then coming to church isn't something you do just because it's, it's, it's well, I'm committed to the church. It's because you need to come because you're committed to the Lord. And if you don't come, you'll, you'll just get all beat up and you'll, you, you'll fade fast. See, that's the difference. See, that's, all that's got to spin around in, our, in a lot of people's brains because that's how this thing works. And then all of a sudden, you'll be glad when they, it's <laughs> I'm so grateful it's church. So that, that's when you know when you're getting plugged in really good out in the stuff that you're supposed to be doing because you can't wait to get around some people that can help you and love you and, and care for you and just hang out and be with you and understand and get it. And this is what the disciples are learning in the process. And then in verses 21 through 24... Uh, see, when we get it, when we grasp that this is ultimately all about Jesus, that's when we begin to really live. That's when we begin to experience life. It, it's this whole dying to the, the stuff that we always thought it was about to, and going to be to experience what it really is. And, and in those verses, Jesus says these things. And he says in verses 23 and 24, he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but didn't see it. And hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. When you get this, see, when you figure, then you're blessed. 
Because you'll begin to see things and hear things in the kingdom that many people never experience. And it's because we, 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 we make the decisions to follow him, to do what it takes, to get committed, to get involved, whatever it looks like. And like I said, it takes on all sorts of things. It's at every level. It could be that your primary ministry is what you do in your house. It could be outside of that in your workplace or in your community or to the world. Who knows? But whatever it is, it matters. It counts. And we do it with the same understanding that that's where life is found. And, and ultimately, that's what all of us really want to experience. And then these two stories that are in there um, that are really good stories. The, the story of the Good Samaritan and then the, the whole little thing with Martha and Mary. So in, in verses 25 through 37, it's the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, um, most people teach this. And look at this, and, and, and it's a good point about our need to get involved. It's, it's continuing on in the, the thought process of being involved in what happens. I heard sometime, I do not know if this is true, but even if it's not, it's a good story. So let me say it with that caveat, okay? But I read this, I don't know if it actually happened, somebody just wrote it down, it's a good story, about at a seminary, um, the, these guys were going in for this big final, and the professor was calling him to his office one at a time to give them this final. And outside um, the office, where everyone would have to walk by to get to him, there was a guy sitting there who was uh, underneath a tree, and he was all banged up, and he was intoxicated or looking, but he looked kind of not good. And he was smushed up against a tree where everybody had to see him. And these guys, these seminary students, guys, women, whoever, were on their way to this appointment. They would go one at a time to the thing, to this big final exam. So there was this big deal. And, and... The, apparently the final exam was if they stopped and found out what was going on with the guy on the tree, they got an A. <laughs> if they didn't, they didn't. <laughs> Oops. You missed the final. It was right outside. But that's, it's a good story, right? <laughs> because see, and you can see how easy that would get to miss that too because you get, oh, I got, well, I'd like to help you, fella, but I got to go. Because it's my final, you know, it's me. Anyway, good story. So, the, the, uh, the interesting thing, though, to me, is, is that this, this describes walking this thing out, the story does, that, that we need to really care about people. And he uses an example of a couple of self-righteous people, religious folks, who see it and get, get, it, get as far away of it as they can because they don't want anything to do with it. And then he uses a Samaritan who the, the Jewish people didn't even like They didn't because they were like sort of mixed and they, they were shunned by Jewish people. So to use him in a story was a big insult. And, and the, the, he's the one that got it right, was fascinating. And he went and did whatever he could. He just did what he could to help. But I think what we miss sometimes is the story is told in response to a question by someone who's self-righteous trying to trap Jesus in, into this discussion of eternal life. Because even the question, how do I inherit e- eternal life, is, is meant to try and trap Jesus. And Jesus, being Jesus, turns it around and says, well, how do you read it? And the guy says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you get that the moment he said that, he trapped himself? Because he was immediately condemned because he couldn't do that. He hadn't been doing that. His self-righteousness was a big trap. And, and ultimately, the point of the story of the Good Samaritan is that we're to go and live doing the next right thing, but we will still mess up sometimes 
Because who we are, and we can't do it apart from Jesus. You can't make this thing work apart from who the Lord is. All of us need Jesus. And, and he was really going back after the self-righteousness of this religious leader with the story. So it's a picture of how we're supposed to walk it out in response to the, the self-righteous questions that are so often asked and the attitudes that we so often develop. So we need to be very careful or else we become just like the, 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 the Pharisee and the leader who just uh, Levi who walked away and didn't get involved when the one who had it more figured out was the one that they would have considered not even being able to relate to God, and yet he knew what really mattered, see? And he was going to try and do the next right thing. And that's how he lived his life. And that's what, what Jesus is saying in the story. That's how we're to live, always knowing, though, that we're going to mess up, because we are, and that we have to get back to him. We can't do it apart from him. Because even if we were to... We, see, you could just never get it all right. That, that statement, being true, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself... If that is true, we can't, see, we can't, you're not always going to do that, right? Because guess what? Sometimes you're going to love yourself more than anything else, and you're going to get selfish, and you're going to sin. So it, it's always pointing us back towards Jesus, even that story. And then, um, in, in the last little story there, in verses 38 through 42 with, with uh, Martha and Mary, um, Jesus takes it a, a step further, because by this time, it, it's not, uh, un, we're not, we're used to seeing the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. We expect them to act that way. But can that same attitude begin to mess with us once we choose to follow Jesus? And the answer is sure it can. Just like it did with Martha and Mary. Because Jesus has come into their house and Martha's so busy doing the stuff and Mary says, Jesus is here. Um, I'm going to go be with Jesus and we'll get to the stuff. And she gets it backwards, see? Because sometimes we can get backwards. We, can, we get busy doing good things and we miss the God things. Because what Martha, it wasn't bad. It was just, not only was she out there doing it, she was getting mad that nobody else was in there with it. You ever feel like that? <laughs> They're out there having fun and I'm in here cleaning toilets. It's not right. <laughs> and we get all this self-righteous mess going on. And, and the reality is, usually that stuff can wait. Look, if you have an opportunity to go and listen to Jesus... Always choose that. Always. Listen to Jesus. Because what will happen is then, as you listen, he'll tell you what you need to be doing, and then you can go and do it. But we get that all backwards sometimes. We just get so busy thinking, oh, this is, this is, how, this is what... And look, always take time to hang out with Jesus in your life. Always. Make it a priority. The stuff will flow from there. Don't do it the other way around. Don't get busy doing stuff, and then you know, think you're going to meet Jesus in it. Go meet Jesus, and out of the time that you spend then go do what he tells you to do and and that's what's supposed to be happening and mary had it figured out that's all that's what the point of the story is not that martha didn't love jesus we know she did she just got sidetracked like most of us do what do we do sorry lord i'll get it better next time and we try again and that's how that works that's luke chapter 10 in the simplified 30 minute version and uh, so think about that if you're upstairs uh they got the If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. And if you need anything, let us know. You can email us or write us or call us. We'll do what we can for you. Hi, everybody in Williston. God bless you guys. And and pray for each other up there. We're going to pray here.